0: Sketches that never quite made it Would it have been kind of just to drown them straight away? Sketches that never quite made it Is it cruel they never saw the light of day? Podcast fans!
1: Welcome to a special Christmas Day edition of Sketches That Never Quite Made It, the sketch comedy podcast where we dissect sketches that weren't quite good enough to be broadcast. This week we have a special guest... Uh, my best friend ash who is from outside the usual sketch comedy circles usually I have someone from next level sketch on or sometimes even two different people from next level sketch on this time we have an outsider also this was kind of a very personal and intense chat it started off where we were talking about a sketch that I didn't write but that I thought that ash might have very strong views about and in the end I've had to cut pretty much the entire bit of that chat because it's quite libelous but the good news is that the sketch in question will now never see the light of day thanks to this intervention. We then go on to discuss one of my own sketches and then broaden out into a more general chat about my various psychological defence mechanisms and depressive and anxiety-based processes which prevent me from being successful. So it's quite, it's quite intense. It's quite interesting. It's it's, it's, it's certainly a change in pace from a, the usual episode, but I hope people out there enjoy it. You really get a sense from the chat that myself and Ash have known each other a long time and are able to talk quite frankly about quite difficult subjects. Anyway, that is enough of an intro. You can find us at Failed Sketches on the Twitters. My main Actual successful podcast vibe is to be found at Next Level Sketch on Twitter, on various podcast uh, lands and on our website. We do have a Christmas episode out. It's very funny. Please go and listen to it if you're feeling festive after listening to this one. Right, that's enough of an intro. Let's get on with the show. So for context, you will hear ash reacting to a sketch that you won't hear for like for you know for legal reasons but i think i think what she's saying is valid generally rather than just with the specifics of this sketch so i've kept it in and then we go on to talk about a sketch that i myself have written i hope all that makes sense thanks for listening and have a wonderful christmas and new year bye bye oh hello hello fancy um... seeing you here
2: Oh, ha, ha Very funny. I, I'm still dealing also with the reality of hearing your voice in between my ears, in my brain, like like the voice of, of God before Christmas as well. And how does that make you feel? Well, a, a little bit religious, actually. Make makes me wonder if I'm, uh, you know, receiving a prophecy.
1: Well, in many ways you are, except instead of being a prophecy, it's going to be a slightly average sketch.
2: So... Um, This is uh, quite an intriguing concept. Apologies for being a bit meta Mm. about this. So Mm. uh, a couple of things, right? What do I do if it's not funny? Um, And and how do I stop performing? So, you know, the thing about having a call with somebody is Mm. the performative self comes to the fore. And it's always less intelligent, less witty, less brilliant than people when they're just being themselves so any tips
1: Uh, how do you feel about your performative self generally oh i'm I'm not fond of it your peace with your no no because i've been talking about this i've been talking about this a lot in therapy In that there's there's two versions of myself really and there's the the actual version of myself who broadly wants to be left alone um and is is just like uh, hating any social occasion And then there's this other version of me who, according to my Greek uh, therapist, is the life and soul of the party. (laughs) Sorry, that was a very bad Greek impression who can just press a press a switch. Do you remember when we had switches back in the day before Digital World? Like I, I could like press a switch, click. And then and then that's that version of me that's being that's being used. I was hoping that because this is just an intimate conversation between two friends, I was hoping that maybe I could get genuine Ash rather than performative Ash, particularly given that the listenership of uh, sketches that never quite made it is mainly me, yeah. Denny, um, two dogs in Huddersfield, and not even Ewan. And talking of Ewan, of course, he was going to be the other co- co-guest uh, tonight. Sadly, he is, we think, down the Virgin Mines. <laughs> um, Richard Branson is forcing him to mine for content Uh, deep underground um, hasn't even given him a canary so sadly unless he jumps in the call because I have sent him Mm. a link um, it's just going to be it's just going to be me and you yeah so Um,
2: helpful tips there and I do think Ewan is is attempting at this moment in time to single-handedly save the UK economy by working more hours than is humanly decent Um, I suspect that's the agenda
1: I, but I do love him, and I'm I am slightly sad that he's not here because uh, he would have added a unique uh, perspective, as he always does on this podcast, due to his brain being full of delicious, tasty grey matter.
2: Do you know what? That's true. He is always a really good critical reviewer, and so mm. what you've done, James, today is the equivalent of like asking. This is the equivalent of a talking head. You've like gone into the street to ask the common person, you know, what their views are, which is always entirely uninteresting. So um, that's 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 what's awaiting us. I hope you
1: realise. I'm editing that out. Um, you can't. You can't stop me. This is the power of God. <laughs> that is true. Um, and, but also. The thing with Ewan is that um, i he's the person who got me into sketch comedy. He's the person who bullied me into turning up to Gemma Harrisman's courses. Um, he's the one that encouraged me. He's the one that said that I was good at it. Uh, without uh, the existence of Ewan Brown, there would be no uh, sketches that never quite made it horrible as that thought is and one of the many reasons that I hate Richard Branson I already hated him for several very very sensible reasons but the latest ones that I was really hoping that like me and him could form some form of like comedy writing double act because as you say he is really good at critical thinking and he is really good at like polishing my rough diamonds yeah, stop um, writing
2: his CV. now. The, the thing I inferred from um, that was that the reason, the reason <laughs> he has managed to make this happen for you is that he spent much of his time telling you most of your work was subpar. That's what I draw from that.
1: I think a lot of writing, particularly writing comedy and sketches, is you have to, you have to be okay with that. I think you have to accept, like when I started writing these things, I was like, these are all my babies and every single word in every single sketch is a precious jewel. <laughs> I took I didn't think I don't think I dealt with criticism very well and I think I think over the last you know the last year I think I've got a lot better at at taking on board people saying this is shit and that's probably one of the reasons that I I started this um this podcast or did I start this podcast because I uh, egotistically resent the rejection that these sketches have have (laughs) received and just set it up to go actually my sketches are funny regardless and all you bastards that told me it couldn't go on the uh, the next couple sketch podcast you're all wrong well i mean maybe that's what's going uh, on. Here. i
2: don't know i mean chris chibnall has managed to um write an entire season of of doctor who more than one season of doctor who really off of the back of that very principle of this is all the terrible work and ideas i've had all my adult life fuck you world i'm going to resurrect them through you know this incredibly popular vehicle so that everybody will be really disappointed and so it, it does work it, it can work um i'm not sure i'd advise it but you never know
1: i, I would like to say that this podcast is my version of uh, chris chibnall's uh, Cyberwoman episode of torchwood
2: okay fair dues i'm 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 coming in with uh, an open mind now off of the back of that <laughs> <laughs> that's all he had to say
1: yeah yeah it's, it's... okay what's what's the pitch what's the picture episode right well what if what if Cybermen <laughs> were sexy? Oh, brilliant. Right. That's 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 40 minutes of, of, yeah. of gold. Um which of course kills Cybermen. That's the one thing they're allergic to. Shall I shall I give you a sketch? So on that bombshell, I think I'm gonna move on to the actual yeah. sketch that we should we should be talking about. Although there's no way that what we can say can be as eloquent as and as interesting as what we've just we've just come up with but i still feel a bit i still i don't know i still feel really bad for sharing that with you i think i was a bit horrified by it and i just wanted someone else to see it but No, no, no I, I think
2: you're um, over, overthinking it i think you're just experiencing a bit of white guilt um okay. which i re- i relieve you of you need yeah, not worry about that uh well it's no just again. in this instance i, I can't i can't <laughs> okay. relieve you of guilt of every right. crime committed by your people i'm afraid nobody lets me um let go of um all the imagined crimes they keep saying my people have committed. So, you know, my fate is your fate. No, it's
1: true. It's true. And my, no, it's true. And my, my people did did throw a lot of very hard uh, rotting potatoes at uh, the British Army in the eighteen thirties. Uh, so I think I think it's fair that <laughs> I I accept that particular responsibility. Yeah. Right. I'm sending you the actual sketch.
2: Right. Do I just go ahead and read it in silence?
1: No, let's read it out. Um, I think I will play the roles of the people that aren't the serious BBC voice, and you can be the serious BBC voice. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. That's your role. Okay. Here we go. FX pen scratching noise as a letter is written, uh, and now we have the character <laughs> of Quentin Bastard Smith. Dear BBC. I am writing to complain about people on benefits. They've never done an honest day's work in their lives, so why should we subsidise their feckless lifestyles? Yours sincerely, Quentin Bastard-Smith, an honest taxpayer whose dad fought in a war. Piping noises as uh, the serious BBC post. Dear Mr Bastard-Smith,
2: thank you for your letter dated the 13th November. As the national broadcaster, we're not responsible for benefits payments. Yours sincerely, the BBC, BBC
1: Towers, London. FX even more furious pen-scratching. Dear the BBC, this patronising response is typical of the pinko-prosecco-quaffing socialists who control our media. I mean, obviously, I meant the flat-screen televisions you hand out to lazy scumbags. What's wrong with Cathode Ray? FX typing.
2: (sighs) Dear Mr Smith, we do not hand out televisions, but while we're on the subject, A. They're all flat screen televisions now. Cathode ray tube televisions were phased out 20 years ago. B, we note that the Bastard Smith household has not paid their TV licence since 1967. Yours, etc. The BBC in the detector van outside your house.
1: An awkward silence. FX, even more furious. uh, (laughs) It says scrubbing, but I think I meant scribbling. Um, I I love to furiously scrub. It's my favourite thing. Quentin Bastard Smith. Dear HM... Prison service, why are you giving disgusting criminals PlayStation 5s to play willy-nilly in their cells? What's wrong with a Commodore 64?
2: All right, so I have a question. But before Mm -hmm. I say anything, I need you to tell me why this didn't (laughs) make it um, as a recorded sketch.
1: I'm not sure. Um, It might have been as simple as the fact that because everybody else in Next Level Sketch has jobs uh, and I don't have a job... I tend to submit a lot more sketches than everyone else. Um, I actually don't think this is one of my, my, my most awful efforts. Uh, and it might simply have been that the, the, the podcast episode uh, number 13 couldn't just be by me. Um, however, I'm saying that while I uh, sort of play for time, because I'm going to look up mm. and, I'm, and I do actually have notes from people, which is quite handy. Um, so I think... 'Cause obviously you and, due to working in the Branson mines as we've as we've established, he's not able to mm. um spend the time reviewing our sketches anymore. So it's just it's it's there's three of us now. So it's just three vote system and if anything gets two votes, it's kind of in. So I think what might have happened is this, this sketch got one vote in the sense that I myself did not vote for my own sketch. So I think I think that's actually what happened. I think had I voted for my own sketch as well as one of the two other um Um, produces than it would have got in (laughs) Uh, so um, Murren's notes were I think this would be good to break up and sprinkle throughout the episode as runners comma don't know what's after the comma maybe that was meant to be a full stop Uh, and she gave Mm -hmm. the sketch 7.5 and Paul also gave it 7.5 and said not sure if this has been changed at all but I still like it gets in and out and makes its point fairly quickly and funnily so maybe just other sketches. What's that the, the what's the scoring you know, scale? Is it out of
2: ten? All right, I didn't want to assume anything, just in case Your it's man. out of a hundred. Um, and you've got seven and a half percent. but <laughs> I would agree with that because I I read it, loved it, thought I don't understand why this is a sketch that never quite made it. It seems perfectly usable and set up for for actually being um recorded and aired. So I'm baffled. So it does sound like it was genuinely just the timing around when you presented it. And there must have just been a lot of competition for quality sketches to make it into that episode. And um, a question of just fair representation across all the writers. Um, But Because otherwise, I don't, you know, I almost wish you had deliberately presented one of your worst sketches to give us something to talk about, because... You've just presented something that I think you could still go ahead and and use as is um that would work really well. There's less to say about something that's good, do you know what I mean. <laughs>
1: That's a really good point, actually. Um, like, if something's all right, it's, it is harder to sort of um, uh, chew the fat about mm. it, as we've already proved with the two sketches that we've talked about tonight. I think, I think, uh, in my heart, of hearts, I did. I did but this, think is this is where we
2: get into the real. This is what this show is really about, right? And this is where we get into the the next level (laughs) no pun intended of of what's going on here and so actually this is an exploration of your psyche and if what's happening here is a little bit of self-sabotage then 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 that's really the issue that what we've uncovered is a very odd attitude to your own work um as much as you say they might be all your babies you're treating them like you've given birth to donald trump um instead of joe biden so there's something there that needs that needs addressing i think
1: I th- so this is really interesting so at, at the start of the show we discussed um, or i jokingly discussed the, the the suggestion that this is just me proving everyone wrong that almost mm. you should have should have been in and now we're sort of we're looking we're looking at the the, the opposite to that which is that like you say um I, I should be suckling my baby Joe Biden and my baby Donald Trump to my to my nipples, but instead I am casting them out to to live in a um, mm-hmm. orphanage in Dunstable, and and actually I'm I'm not really treating my my ideas and 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 my writing. You are your own deserves. heckler,
2: James, basically.
1: That would be very tired. do
2: you feel tired?
1: Because you'd have to. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm exhausted all the time.
2: You're, you I think oh, you're right. the pe- I You're in your exactly. own way. Because you'd have to be Because
1: like... <laughs> you'd have to be on stage saying a joke, and then you'd have to jump down from the stage to one of those little jazz tables, and then sit down, and then shout something stupid, and then run, run back up to the stage again, and then try and think of yeah. something. Yeah, no,
2: nice, nice response. avoidance of what I was getting out be... there,
1: by the way. No, no, I'm not avoiding it at all because because this has been my issue. Like I talk about this every week in therapy. You know, like. I I talk about this all the time. Like self sabotage is is one of my main topics, like from sabotaging my degree to sabotaging um like jobs. Like even at the moment I'm worried that though I'm applying Mm -hmm. for jobs, I'm applying for them in a way that might stop me from getting them. So like so so definitely self sabotage is, is is the narrative of my life. The problem has been like being aware of that is actually really helpful, but then trying to Trying to defeat the version of me that does that, and mm. also figure out the reasons why it's quite why interesting. Because I've just come harder. off
2: therapy as well, like literally um, um, one hour ago from my session, and the takeaway from that session, yeah. what my therapist said to me is, you know, stop, stop believing that you have to suffer more before you can be happy. And I thought, oh, that's that applies to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, that it's got to be painful, and it's got to take it. So the the success of any description that anyone might be looking for, whether in or, or outside of themselves. The idea that we seem to be carrying is that it's got to take a long time. It's got to be painful. Um, it, mm. it can't be something that brings us joy mm. and it can't it can't be something we can do with ease. Like those are the requirements for us to be allowed to be happy or to experience that success. And there is an element of that here but also, I don't think it's incidental either that we're talking mm. about comedy writing because it's definitely a feature of mm. this sector. It's definitely a feature of most comic writers, whether they're stand ups or sketch writers who write their own material. They all have this duality, don't they? There's this, mm. the comedy comes from this darker side of them that's struggling with themselves uh, and not in a way that's distinctive from other human beings i'm not pretending that they have a harder time of it than other people but there is definitely a feature of yeah if the the sort of creative work that you are good at and want to do some aspect of it does seem to revolve around damaged self-belief or damaged self-esteem for all people involved in that line of work which is a strange thing to say now that i think of all the other people i've met that you have performed with and write with because obviously Mm. I've only ever met them down the pub and seen them on stage and they all seem you know perfectly successful and confident and kind and generous people but so I don't know if they would be if they would object to being described like that but I wonder if have any of them ever suggested that it's much the same for them
1: i think i think i'm gonna this is really interesting i'm gonna split this into two um two sections here one i think i think culturally and 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 society wise you're on something really important which is this almost protestant work ethic pain equals equals success um you know being exhausted equals success having to work 80 hours a week doing this thing is the only way you could be happy through and, and, and 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 um and achieving things, I think that's one thing. I think on the comedy side of it, and the sort of people who are, who are drawn to doing, let's go beyond comedy, let's go to, like, performance uh, more generally, weirdly enough, I would say, like, um, like, stand-up, I think you've nailed it. I think that is exactly, everything you've described is exactly what it is in stand-up. I'm relatively new to um, sketch comedy, but I think I think the fact that sketch comedy is a bit more collaborative and it's a bit more, it's a, I think it's a bit more caring, and I think it's a bit more, I think the characters that are drawn to it are are sort of more communal, Um, and more wanting to like they want to celebrate in in each other's success and I I don't know man I feel like it's like the the individuals and the the duos who have have more got that kind of like savage Mm. um, self-flagellation vibe going on whereas I haven't Mm. I haven't really seen that as much in in sketch comedy but also in the group that I've got like there's some of us who are doing it as a sort of fun side thing to their unbelievably important and serious jobs and then there are some of us who, who like maybe have an inkling that they want to make more money or be more successful on this or, you know, but while still also being an architect or something. And then there are some of us who like fell into it and are actually going, actually, is this something, you know, it's the, the awful word. I'm going to use it, but it's monetizing. And I, I spent a lot of my life and talking, like talking therapy about this where like, I'm like, if I could just have a universal basic income, if I could um, have mm. social housing, mm. I would be happy writing and creating, doing some volunteering um, helping out at my local, you know, my, my local, my local old people's home, and and do this and do that, and I'd live a life that mm-hmm. I would feel was meaningful and useful. But it's it's this idea of can I do this as my job? And of course, because the arts have increasingly become over the last twenty, thirty, forty years, dominated by people who have other 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 forms of income, or they um, they've already have uh, paid off their mortgage, or they were bought a house by their parents, or they're being paid to live in London or wherever it might be. Um, this is obviously the case in a lot of uh, creative industries. Um, I might have got off topic here, but I think my point was that, like, these people are very good at not self-sabotaging. The reason that they're successful mm. is that they are pushers and they're hustlers and they can get themselves known and they can get themselves into positions they're confident. They know how to talk the right language to the right people. The people who are producers and the people who are uh, controllers speak the same language as them. And I don't know, man. Like I don't know whether the thing that I'm doing down here in, in my little my little corner of comedy is necessarily self-sabotage partly it is but partly it's because i don't really know how else to uh, that's interesting because actually i
2: think you've touched on something yeah there there is definitely a huge class component to this and and for people in the arts not born from money or who don't have access to ready money um for everybody else the world is working against them is working against their creative output um and obviously It's very, very odd to think how much worse that's going to be post-pandemic with the devastating effect, really, that Mm. that this current climate is going to have on people's incomes and choices. So that's absolutely right. Mm. And actually, it's interesting because I think for people that are, for example, working class or lower middle class, you've just reflected how it can become internalized. You know, how that 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 hostility, mm. that hostility in the external world, can become internalized, and so you start to—I had a conversation with somebody else about this once, actually. You start to think that it's like being uh, gaslighted, basically. So you t- you do start to use language like "oh, it's self sabotage," when actually that's all intended to prevent you from seeing how uh, the socioeconomic construct that you exist within is the reason things aren't working you know and instead all of the dialogue that happens is very much about well you know are you really you know is is it really your situation or are you letting yourself down like that's the language that gets used i just wanted to bring it back to the sketch because of something i forgot to ask you so you got two scores of seven and a half out of ten so do you know what you would have scored this sketch out of ten
1: not only do mm. I know that I can actually look and tell you what I, what I gave, mm. it, because um, this definitely ties into what we're talking about, doesn't it? Um, I gave my sketch. <laughs> I also gave so my that's, sketch seven it, that,
2: Yeah, know. this sketch is definitely going to be saved and should should now be revitalised. And it should be done so with the realisation that it's a little act of rebellion. It's a little two fingers up to the world of white privilege and um, upper and upper middle class money to um, to breathe life back into this sketch and record it and air it.
1: Read um, out my own notes to my own sketch because that's quite interesting. Uh, maybe it isn't. Uh, just noticed I went for something Smith double barreled name. My influences are so obvious. Now that's a reference to the fact that um, uh, co-host uh, co-producer Paul Creasy uh, wrote a excellent <laughs> character called uh, Chad Genocide Smith um in, in one of his sketches which who was a news uh, a news reporter who i believe won the next level sketch uh, award for uh, funniest or best um, best character name uh i go on um i quite like the punchline and a sketch of imaginary letter writing is a nice change of setting from our usual sketches but he settled, uh, drinks some claret settles back into armchair is it entertainment asking the other the other producers yes i quite like this but is it funny
2: Once oh, well, allowed uh, the thing that has just struck me is when you read the voice of the character <laughs> you you read him in and i know we all hate this word but you used a bit of a chav voice to sort of to read that character would mm. it work if it was a clipped rp accent would it still be funny
1: so the choice, the choice of voice was very much. Um, it also it went a bit went a bit Midlands towards the ends because I forgot who I was doing. But um, the choice of voice, I, was, I was sort of wanted to do a sort of um, person who'd read a lot of Daily Mail articles, um, probably followed um, certain far right. Uh, are there any other types? Anyway, yeah, go on. <laughs> um, and that was the vibe. And unfortunately, I revealed my own um, prejudices there because the version of that person in my head is is. Is mm. considerably lower class than actually they tend to be. Mm. They tend to be people who paid off their mortgage 15 years ago, uh, live, in, live in quite nice yeah. places on the, the edges of towns, and are furious with the world because they're because they're still not happy. So, I, I class-wise, it would definitely certainly work. I know it's just, less, you it's know just, I was all um, doing this. It's sort just of interesting, isn't it? Because um, it's almost
2: like um, it's almost like it's yeah. We we've really learned not to laugh at people that represent. Um, privilege influence and power we've really learned not to laugh at that mass of individuals like we make everything about them not funny because we normalize it like nothing about the way they dress or speak is funny whereas everybody else gets gets treated as as a curiosity that therefore is is a source of comedy so i'm just wondering if clear absolutely it's Um, punching down actually and despite it just proving that we none of us are as woke as we wish um it i think it just goes back to that (laughs) way that we internalize our environment and uh replicate it really through these microaggressions which neatly
1: as well it's not just it's just not just presenting the sketches to people um it's 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 also this issue that we were talking about earlier about confidence and yeah uh it's pitching things so it's hustling and it's pitching things and it's sort of it's sort of i have done a thing that i think is good and then sending it to people and telling them, I think this is good. I'd, like even that, I find really really difficult. Um, promotion is another thing. So, like even when I was working at the Guardian, the idea of like beating up my own article. Uh, at the moment, there's this amazing thing that creatives on Twitter do, which is that they <laughs> they'll do long Twitter threads of all the all the things that they're proud of this year. So they'll do like this big long list of like, and then I wrote this, and then I wrote that, and then I wrote this, and then I wrote that. And it, it makes me feel really sick. But why does it make me feel really sick? And it's because I would never do that. And that's absurd. Like these people are perfectly entitled to I, um, just remind people. It's how we of were raised. And I don't mean in terms of our of parents.
2: Year. I mean, it's how we were raised in terms of the socioeconomic brackets that we belonged mm. to growing up. That we were taught not to draw attention to ourselves. Mm. I was really explicitly taught not to draw attention to myself. Yeah, like that's, that's the way to get that's by. Um, and actually, it's the opposite of what you're required to do in adult life in order to get by. Um, And so I think it's um, an unfamiliar mental habit. I wonder if also potentially for you, knowing you as I do, because we may as well tell the world, you're my best friend in the whole world, um, that the quality standard you may have set for yourself in your own mind, like, I know you probably think a lot of the writing is good, and you probably accept that when people rate it (laughs) and say as much that you agree and you're like yeah I agree this is all good material Mm. but the list in your mind of like the best Mm. sketches you've ever written is probably I assume quite small in your mind because of the the bar that you've set for that particular um, category so I wonder if there's a a, you're talking about hustling and pitching but I wonder if there's an element of perfectionism as well at play here Uh.
1: the answer is yes but also i'm like i am completely new to this as a medium and i I, i've arrived in this medium on a whim like i i only started writing sketches a couple of years ago because mr Mm. james turner and mr ewan brown encouraged me to go on the sketch course that they were doing and i remember we went to the pub (laughs) after the first um, session remember pubs they were they were fun Um, and um they were both like quite surprised at how hard it was, and also they were both going, mm. "James, you bastard!" We were really worried about you, but you're really good at this. Do you know what I mean? Like they were, <laughs> they were sort of pissed off with me. Yes, suckers. How easily, I took to it, Um and part, and and pa- partly it was because because the performance side. Of it like, I enjoyed the performance side of it. I enjoyed walking around um, coming up with characters and doing that. And since then, again, thanks again so much to you and mm. for introducing me to this world. I've started doing improv as well, and I'm pretty good at improv. Mm. And I, I'm pretty happy to say that I'm good at these things. Uh, and it plays, and like, I think like, there's all these things in my character that I find I don't like very much. And actually, it's quite liberating mm. to do them on stage. Um, that's actually really not – I love that. I love the fact that on stage, the moment that I first worked at, walk, walked out on stage for our first show, I was like this is where i belong um this is where i this is where i can be this is where i can thrive but i still don't think of writing sketches mm. as being my best medium do you know what i mean like, i still don't think like writing a two and a half minute sketch that's silly or funny or satirical or whatever i don't think that's my best way i think i still think long form mm. writing um is the best way that i can write but I have even less confidence with that than I do even with doing this thing. At least with this, I've got this wonderfully supportive community of people who I've miraculously found over the last year. And I genuinely like it's been such mm. a shit year for in so many different ways, but they've been great and um, and really supportive. But it's it's still hard for me to tell myself that anything I've done is good and I need a 10 year gap. Yeah. If I read something that I wrote 10 years ago, I like it. So, it, I just need to just give me 10 years that. and it'll be
2: the fine. The first one was a question I had for you actually, um, off of the back of what you've just said. So, yeah, but on what basis are you like against whom are you deciding whether the material you're writing is good enough or not? So, in recognition of what you say, that it's not your strongest medium compared to the mm. areas that you feel more at ease with. And that feel more native to you. Are you judging the quality of that material by the people that you think are really good at that, or is it based on your own inner standard, like measurement? There,
1: probably the latter. Um, I mean, my main my main weaknesses in the former, and again, like this 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 gang is so good at this, is that I, I I'm much like a couple of other of our writers who won't mind me mentioning them, like Greg. I, I i veer towards the niche and i will reference uh people or things or ideas that not necessarily everyone will understand or that you cannot surmise in like a sentence um so i feel like i don't know i feel like i do that a little bit too much but mm. other than that i do I, you know i do genuinely think my so for the purposes of, of
2: like in, in the group. a sketch show sort of communal type of medium are you saying they're not pop- always populist enough
1: yeah, I would be saying that, you know. So, so like, if you try and if you try and write for, um, if you try and write for the only thing that accepts uh, mm. open submissions at the BBC is Newsjack. Not only do you have to write a, a sketch which which adheres to their sense mm. of humour, you also have to figure out what their politics is and how. Uh, how they would make that funny? So, like, obviously, for you, it's basically the same writers the same gang You have to go, okay. Well, they just they think that saying that this person is a terrorist is funny. So then, that's like because like it becomes a real thing, like you know, like the, the, the making are based on what the media narratives of the last. Yeah, 10, but that just sounds like journalism. What reality is? So you have to. Remember... And honestly, I'm being
2: serious. It sounds like being commissioned to do a piece <laughs> yeah, it does.
1: where it you really does. you
2: change your no, not, voice. No, I'm not. No, no. no yeah yeah no, that was, that was, it sounds that was exactly the same it's just it just happens to yeah. be a different type of writing but the the realities of it you know out in the working world sound exactly the same like you're there really to just be to write to order in the, under those circumstances and what interests me about that is I think being niche is your niche like I think that is I mean you're the man that has has or had a cricket and doctor who podcast you're the man that has a wimpy blog like you are the man that does niche better than everybody else that attempts to do that um i think that is your lane um
1: yeah i think i think you're dry and i think like hack work is you know yeah. the thing that we laughably toss off the problem is hack work is how you make money so like if you if you write for like if you're a BBC staff writer writing comedy you have to be able to like you say right write to brief is really important and um mm-hmm i really struggled with writing to brief um so even if i am given you know and so partly i think well maybe it's sabotage but partly it's just it's it's this this little voice on my side inside of me who goes no fuck you this isn't what this is about um you know and otherwise it's sort of play acting isn't it you're kind of you're play acting into a role of this is actually this is important or this is this is the the top line of this story um i hadn't thought of it like that before so thank you for uh, i think
2: we've just arrived at. The echoing that, that thought around my head for this episode which is that we need to find you a very wealthy I think you right. to um wed it's that that is the key to unlocking your happiness James
1: um I mean that's kind of why I went to university I assumed that university was full of wealthy widows um who would be happy to uh to allow mm-hmm. me to live in their house and write stuff in the study while they I don't know what what, do, what what do wealthy widows do normally? Um, uh, breed dogs. There we go. They're probably going to be breeding golden retrievers or something. Corgis. Do I? Um,
2: do I? You're do you know a, you're asking. Wealthy widows you're asking. Willing uh, be willing to uh, take me in. An Iraqi person. am asking living you, in Britain. Yeah. If they know any wealthy mm-hmm. widows in Britain, like I don't think my life experiences have brought me into contact with very many people of that ilk, unfortunately. Um, and also there's the age thing. Like, why would I at age 40 mm. know widows? Like, how would that happen? Like, like, They're not even my peer group. I don't even work <laughs> for an age-related charity. So I <laughs> have no, no hope ever of, of encountering that, that age group, mm. I'm afraid. There will be, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. Um, I don't want the, this to jinx the world. There will be many more wealthy widows this time next year james so maybe bide your time
1: them very quickly and then poison them uh yeah and then, and then say, and saying then so in a recording is maybe not, that would work. clearly not going to be problematic uh, so well Just, done. just riffing that's out. the
2: self-sabotage again
1: i think so well if yeah yeah i'm self-sabotaging by by telling people my nefarious plan i think ash so. this ash this has been amazing maybe we should end the conversation there i have to go and make i have to go and make curry verst um for uh, a couple of doctors
0: uh, well, um, i have a one-kilogram tin Quality
2: Street to keep working my way through because I can see no other way of, of surviving Christmas. So um, I'm going to crack on with that. I might start with the toffees.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, that's a good idea. Do that. Um, penny farting. Eat the yeah. one that's no like a penny farting we'll for me or whatever it's right. called.
0: Mwah. Love you.
1: Yep. Okay. Thanks, mate.
0: I got on a boat on a hot sunny day to get out of this town Cos the tarmac was melting And the people seemed to sway Stuck on the underground To the Isle of the Black Kites And the Wishing Tree I wanna be with you On the slow boat to land out Through misty seas I wanna be with you Session behind, feeling the love of you. So, you better get to charge till you see me again. You know what, just to do if you caught up with the gales and the chokeboat sea. I want to be with you, with the pilgrims in the mountains, in the high trapeze. I want to be with you it's the landlord, the social or the PSD I want to be with you On an island of rain clouds and verdant seas I will be there with you Oh